What's up, everybody? Welcome to Ask for Candy, where we talk about healing, self-care, love, sex, relationships, and what it takes to be amazing on the daily. Who I am, I am Candice Harper, lovecoach.com, and my purpose with this podcast is to create healthy, romantic relationships all around the world through self-love, soul connections, and sweetness, honey. Ask for candy. Ask for some sweetness in your life. And for those of you who've been listening along, those of you who've been with the show for ages, you know that I used to go live, and then I started doing a recorded show through all this pandemic, and now we are back. We are live. We have partnered with Solivity Magazine. So excited about that partnership. And from now on, every Wednesday night, we will go live at 7 p.m. Eastern. And then you can still also download all the audios because we'll still be on Anchor and iHeart and Spotify and all of those. You can also watch us on um, Solivity.com, on Solivity TV, on Solivity.com, and or SolivityMagazine.com on Solivity TV. And you can subscribe to Solivity TV and Ask for Kenny Podcast on YouTube, our YouTube channel, so you can be alerted when we go live I know that YouTube people are here. I think Instagram people are here. I know Facebook people are here. So this is going to be a very fun and interactive time. We're going to be talking with each other. Don't feel like you have to just watch me like TV. You know, I like to talk a lot so you guys can break in with your comments and your questions. And we will definitely expect that. Um, My producer, Brian of Celebrity Magazine is going to be our deus ex machina. He is the voice behind the scenes. And so he's going to be chiming in a little bit and helping me out with your questions if questions come through. And just don't forget to subscribe and know we're here. Also, you can email us at askforcandypodcast at gmail.com. If you're shy, you know, sometimes we talk about sensitive things, things that are close to our heart. So if you're feeling like I don't want to talk about it in public, you can email me. And I won't say your name if you don't want me to, but I'll tell you this. When you email me about your own issues, I can guarantee that there are other people out there who are dealing with the same stuff. So not only might it become a topic on the show, but, you know, you're going to be helping out somebody else just by sharing your story. And we're going to do a lot of that, too. We're going to do a lot of sharing our stories. And those of you who've been with me know I do not mind sharing my story. Hopefully I'm going to be able to get Brian to share a little of his story at at different points, different points in times. So as you guys know, I am a relationship coach, a workshop facilitator, and a professional matchmaker with Talkify. If you've never heard of it, it's an amazing digital service where you can hire a matchmaker to do all the sifting and the vetting on your behalf. And it's especially great for people who struggle with initiating contact or simply picking the right partner. Matchmaking and relationship coaching is my zone of genius. And the best part about it is that week to week, I get to grow and learn as I interact with people around the most intimate parts of their lives. I get to meet and nurture new clients. I get to screen possible dating candidates for them. And I get to design programs and activities that deepen their ability to get to know each other. And I got to tell you guys, I've had to get really creative during all of this COVID stuff since we've been completely digital. But it's been fun because I've come up with dating games and ways to connect. And if you're ever wondering how you can get on the train of digital dating and know how to do it in a way that is really, really connective, just hit me up because I can give you all kinds of tips and questions and things you can ask and, and do and games you can play so that you can get to know somebody in a low pressure digital sort of way. Find out if you have some chemistry. Most importantly, I get to be part of what supports healthy beginnings and sustainably healthy relationships. And I get to be the cause of self-love, soul connections, and sweetness, because that's what Ask for Candy is all about. I hope you guys like my background. We're doing Zoom, and I know you guys, uh, everybody's on Zoom these days, but you see, like, parts of me might disappear every now and then, but the picture is so pretty. I was like, I might as well just switch it up each week keep it interesting for you, you know, keep you coming back. All right. I feel like it's time to dive in to tonight's topic. There's so much going on in the world today. And I feel like so much of my, if you hear noise, by the way, I have a little German shepherd, a big German shepherd, actually, that's right under my desk. So he might make some noise during the show. Those of you who listen, you know this, but those of you who are new, that's what's going on. 
But I feel like there's a lot going on right now in the world, and clearly there is. We're seeing it on the news every day. Brian and I were just talking earlier about how this is probably the time of day after everyone has watched their evening news and might be sort of in the dumps about things. And um, yeah, there, it seems like there's just not a lot to be hopeful about in the world. And that is why I wanted to do this show. And the topic of tonight's show is love in a brutal society. Because I feel like a lot of us out there feel like we live in a very brutal society. And it's valid. It's valid to feel like we live in a brutal society right now. It's valid to feel like, you know, the world. I, I was talking to a woman the other day and she was saying the world is dying. Now, I don't subscribe to that because you guys know me. I am Silver Lining Girl. I am Pollyanna about all of it. And I believe that we, um, how we perceive and how we speak about life and how we view life, whatever our perceptions are, are what create our reality on a personal level. So I don't subscribe to the idea that the world is dying. I believe that the world is shifting, majorly shifting. And so, you know, I wrote up some stuff that I wanted to talk to you guys about. And I wanted to talk about, first of all, the brutality of our society. And, you know, we, we talk about it a lot. We hear about it a lot on the news and, you know, what a lot of different people have to say about it, what a lot of people say are the solutions about it. But I want to share my take on it before I share what I think is the solution. And I feel like it's the... Um, you know, I don't think that there's any kind of snap your fingers, magic, miracle way that we're going to be able to do this. It's going to be like weight loss. It's going to be about developing new practices. But what I want to talk about is what's going on today and why I think what I think is the solution is the solution without making it too convoluted. So like I said, tonight's topic, love in a brutal society. So racism and police brutality are at the forefront of every conversation these days. And it always interests me how resigned we are to being shocked, hurt, afraid, and even galvanized to fight. But rarely do we turn the focus on how brutal our society is in general. And so, you know, racism is now shining a light on, you know, a particular type of brutality. But there's racism, there's transphobia, there's misogyny, even just our political polarization. They're just the mechanisms that we use against each other when we, what we really need is a way to heal and express the pain of long-standing generational wounds, shame, deep-seated insecurity. And who I'm talking about is all of us. I'm talking about humanity. I'm not talking about Black people as a culture, even though I, I strongly believe in our healing, and that is the crux of what I do as a professional. You know, my, my purpose is aligned with helping people of color, myself included, in their healing process, healing from generations of oppression. But I believe that we all need the healing. And in order for our society to be a less brutal society, and in order to consider a lot of the solutions that a lot of the experts are talking about, in order to be pro-equality and really have a, a, the shift be effective, we want to own that we are humanity first. And we want to own that even the oppressor, and especially the oppressor, needs healing as well. So everything that I'm talking about has to do with all of humanity and all of society. And I'm not wagging my fingers at anyone or any group because I consider myself part of society and humanity. I feel like this is something for all of us. And I just was inspired to share, to share these things. I know I'm always preaching about how self-love is the answer. I believe that self-love is the answer. And my goal is to someday get it across that unconditional self-love is important to us individually because it's how we overflow it to our communities. And when we can overflow it to our communities, our communities overflow it to our cultures and our societies, into our countries and into the world. So it starts with each of us as an individual. I feel like when we look at it on a global scale, it's just too big. Some of these, these major problems, they just seem too big for us. And so I love that Brian's putting definite self-love, regard for one's own well-being and happiness. Yes, 100%. And I know a lot of people out there will say, I love myself. I love myself. I do self-care. And, you know, I'm, I try to take care of myself and stuff like that. But I want us to dig a little deeper about what unconditional self-love really means, because... 
Uh, I did a post the other day about unconditional love. And I got a little bit of kickback. And I have before when I've commented about unconditional love. And even on a previous show, I mentioned unconditional love to a therapist. And she was like, it doesn't exist. Unconditional love doesn't exist. And there were some women on a post one day. They were saying, um, the only unconditional love you can have is for your children. And even then, you know, it's not a thing. But here's the thing. Love is inherently unconditional. And the post that I put up the other day is if it comes with conditions... It is not love. I want to see what some people think about that. Brian, are you there? Are you with me, honey? Hello, Candy. Hi, honey. <laughs> I, know I, I know I've said a mouthful. I love that you're there. I love that you're the, the voice in the clouds. I kind of like it myself, too. Do you? <laughs> I want to ask you, because I've been polling everyone I know, and I don't think I've ever asked you this before. How do you, how do you feel about the concept of unconditional love? Um, I completely and utterly believe in unconditional love. Do you? Um, I, and I think I, you were you were talking about um, that. I think people get confused with the difference between that and having boundaries yeah. with people and 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 setting limits on how people may treat you yeah that has nothing to do with unconditional love in fact it, mm-hmm. it it probably enhances it more so yeah i i think everything that we experience begins with self self-love yeah and that has to be at first unconditional yes yes thank you for that honey thank you know i love some agreement i'm gonna go time. back into the clouds okay <laughs> <laughs> I love an agreement when there's some chime. I mean, you know, it's okay to disagree as well, because that's how when we have a discourse. But thank you for that. Thank you for that backup. And, you know, Brian is exactly right. And I'm going to talk about more of how that can be put in action, because a lot of times we talk about self-love and we don't talk about what it means to actually love ourselves and how that even relates to how we are with other people or how we connect with other people. But I want to just point out some things about how our culture perpetuates brutality, And I don't want us to focus on it for too long. This is not about being in the complaint, because I think that's part of the problem, too, is that we complain so much about what's wrong. We focus so much on the wrong rather than focusing on the right and focusing on envisioning what's possible that could be right. But let's just go through some things that that I identify as signs that we are just a brutal culture. I mean, and if you guys think of any, feel free to comment. Like if you think of things that you, you know, just like all the fight videos you see on social media and how excited we get when there's conflict, it's just a really good sign of how we just we, we live in a brutal society and we live in a society where uh, pain is entertainment. We live in a society where we most of us would rather be high, drunk, or or stuffed with addictive foods rather than develop emotional coping skills. And I include myself in that because I definitely in my life have been an addictive overeater. I've been a smoker. And all of that was around not wanting to develop any emotional coping skills. We somehow make it okay to expose children to violence, but then instill them with so much shame and embarrassment when it comes to sex. And so they get these really conflicting messages about love and what it means to love. And, you know, when we grow up with conflicting messages about love and connection, but thinking that violence is okay, that's just fostering us for being brutal citizens. We're focused, we're so focused often on our little tiny sphere of life, right? Our own house. So much so that we will buy out the grocery store and fight little old ladies for toilet paper to make sure that we have more than enough. I mean, that is just such a sign of of our survival uh, sensibilities that are about, you know, uh, me first in in a narcissistic way. We're so afraid to be wrong, especially when it comes to our political opinions, that we will defend our choice to support someone who doesn't show the slightest indication of giving a damn about us. Now, you know, I'm not talking about mostly people of color when I say this one, but we'll stand so vehemently in an extreme opinion that we become our own enemies. That I'm talking about all of us, because we all have the the tendency to do that. Just be so extreme with what we what we um, perceive and what we view, what our opinions are, that we're actually it's almost like it's cyclical. You know, you're so far left, you're right. You're so far right, you're almost left. And 
no one wants to admit that they're wrong about anything. No one wants to backtrack. No one wants to because we don't want to experience the shame. Shame is a big element of a brutal culture. When people are afraid to be wrong because they're afraid of the consequences of messing up or not knowing or making the wrong choice, not being able to own and and just take accountability for not knowing better or, or just not doing whatever the right thing is. Like, I feel like as a culture, we struggle with that. And that's part of why we get so angry and that we get so brutal. Also, we live in a society where we villainize money and worship it at the same time, which, you know, it's a capitalistic society. We villainize it. We, vil- we, you know, money is the root of all evil, which is a misquote from the Bible. And, you know, rich people are evil. And, you know, there are a lot of people who use money as their motivation for doing things that are inhumane. But then at the same time, we worship it like you know, someone's not good enough unless they have a nice car or if they don't, they're not wearing designer clothes or, you know, we have these judgments because there's so much worship to, oh, well, you know, they got money. And then also the conflict of being jealous or feeling like someone's going to get something that we're not going to be able to get. And if someone else has, that means that we can't have. And so those mindsets keep us in a, in a place, right, when it comes to money. And the average American still stigmatizes mental wellness, And we treat people like there's something wrong with them if they can't iron out their emotional problems alone. That's part of a brutal culture, that it's not okay to ask for help. That's brutality, to make people feel like uh, if you you can't get your emotions together or if you're struggling with something internally, that something is wrong with you and that you should be too embarrassed to ask for the help or that it's something you shouldn't spend money on or that it's a waste of your time, that there's, you know, that, that you should be able to pull yourself up by your bootstraps and get over it. Like that's brutal. It's brutal because what it does is it, you know, people who have, first of all, any sort of uh, chemical, um, any, any sort of chemical mental affliction or any sort of uh, trauma that they're dealing with, You know, when the message is that if you go for help, you're admitting something's wrong with you, when that's the message in a shame culture, that's why people commit suicide. That's why people, uh, you know, become so angry and disconnected and sometimes even sociopathic. And unfortunately, as Sherilyn Eiffel, president of the NAACP Legal Defense Fund, recently stated, We have shied away from solving the most difficult problems in our society, and instead, we thrust it all on the criminal justice system. Poverty, homelessness, mental illness, kids just being kids, basic conflict resolution. We look to the police to handle everything. You want to get your neighbor under control? We look to the police. Not, I'm not necessarily talking about people of color, but, you know, in general, our culture thinks that the police are there to handle every problem. And I was watching a Trevor Noah episode and he was talking about how in Africa, people don't call the police for dumb stuff. He's like, if your cat gets stuck in the tree, you call the police, they'll say, oh, well, good luck with your cat. Whereas here, it's like, you know, we will call the police, especially those of us, of you know, a certain uh, false supremacy, we'll call the police to take care of everything. And that is part of a brutal culture, feeling like that the criminal, criminal justice system has is even equipped to deal with most of the problems that human beings have between each other. And the reason that we're not equipped to deal with with most of them is because we're not working on our emotional coping skills. And that's everybody. That's everybody. So then we're calling the police who just like so many of us Americans are insecure, entitled. They often come from abuse as well. And they're convinced that certain groups of people are out to steal what little they think they have. They're given a gun and a uniform that's supposed to represent authority. So the sense of entitlement and false supremacy is the only thing that's buoying their self-esteem, and then we get even more brutality. So like I said, all of this stuff and more is, is just our tools for being brutal. It's not that racism is the base problem. It's not that transphobia is the base problem. It's not that, that uh, any of this is the base problem. We are a brutal culture and we're afraid to be vulnerable we're afraid to look weak even as women we're afraid to look weak 
if we're in our feminine energy, there's just a, a resistance and an up against our humanity that we've been living in for a very long time as a country. I can't necessarily speak for other countries. I'm sure it has bled out in a lot of ways in other countries, but I just don't think that anybody is experiencing what this country is experiencing right now based on our own brutality. We've been brutal since the beginning. We started out brutal. We came as, uh, you know, against the Catholic Church, which I'm not Catholic, so I'm not saying that we should have come as devout Catholics, but we came here for our freedom. We wanted our religious freedom, and we started out brutal. We started out with slavery. We started out with killing Native Americans, and that's our generational history. So that's what this shift is about, and it is no mistake to me, no mistake that COVID came along and caused such a major shift in our priorities while shining a light on our unworkable ways of being. And I know that sounds crazy. And for anybody out there who has lost anybody to COVID, I don't want anybody to think that I'm, I'm being callous, that I think that anybody deserves to have suffered any loss or anybody who's actually had COVID. I don't want anybody to think that I'm, I'm being unsympathetic to whatever they've been through. But as a culture and as a world and as a, just as a country, we needed this shift. This country needed this shift in order to work on some of this brutality. And so the onus is on us because the way we were doing society was not working, right? It just, it wasn't working. And I, but I believe that there's always hope. I believe that there's always hope. And this is why I was talking about unconditional love. And we're going to take a little bit of a commercial break. I think it's about time for a commercial break. And I want to talk about a few of the ways that we can be a part of a more love, less brutality movement. And maybe you'll have a few of your own. I'm hoping that what we talk about will inspire you to think of how we can just foster love and less brutality. Now, normally I talk about romantic love and I talk about, you know, on an individual level, how we live day to day how we connect intimately with each other. So I believe that we can take it from there because it makes it a lot easier when we frame something from our individual experience, right? Because our individual experience as a collective is what forms a community. So if you have ideas around, you know, what it means to foster more love and less brutality and how we can bring that into our homes and fill ourselves up so that we can overflow, then I definitely want you to join in the conversation when we come back. We're going to take a couple minutes break, and then I'm going to share that with you. Are we ready to take the break, Brian? Is this a good time? Absolutely. We are ready when you are. All right. I'm ready to go. We're going to take a little break. We're going to come back, and we're going to talk about unconditional love and how to make it work in your life and why, yes, it is a real thing. Have you ever asked the question... If I was to be anything, what would I be? Regardless of money, regardless of status, beyond popularity and fame, living your passion, feeling your life has purpose. Solivity is a space to nurture that which lives in all of us. A place where work can become play. And doing what we love creates the dreams of a lifetime. Ah, we're back. So recently, like I said, I posted on Facebook and my post said, if it comes with conditions, it is not love. And I got, you know, some minor kickback on that a little bit. And, and you know, I've, I've posted something similar and people had some things to say about it in the past. And so I thought a great way to illustrate how unconditional love could save us right now is to talk about what it actually is in action. And Brian touched on it a little bit earlier, um, but often people mistake love or sexual desire, or chemistry, or it's like being nice to each other, being attached to someone in some way, holding on to someone, uh, wanting to be with someone every day. Those things are expressions, can be expressions of love, but they don't mean love, and they're not love. And 
So what I want to talk about is not just the conventional ways that we can express love, but the non-conventional ways that we can express love so we can get clear about what unconditional love really is. Uh, Brian mentioned boundaries, you know, being able to stand for yourself. But let's like do a little bit of a deep dive. And I believe I actually do believe that love is inherently unconditional because what love does is it accepts it accepts. It accepts that you are who you are, your strengths and your weaknesses. You know, what What about you I might think is failing and what I think about you is amazing. I love you either way. It, you know, I can be angry with you. I can be happy with you. But the love is always there and it's always from a basis of love. Love is unconditional. It accepts. I accept who you are. I accept how you are. Doesn't mean I agree with it. Doesn't mean I'm okay with it. Doesn't mean I'm not going to do anything about it or try to talk you out of it or, uh, you know, be a stand for how I feel about it. All it means is that I love you either way, right? So in order to overcome our society's brutality, we will need loads of unconditional love, just loads of it. It's something that we all want to start putting in practice, like a yoga practice, if you, if you don't believe in it, if you don't believe it's possible, if you could just allow yourself on an individual basis, just a little bit of it, just a little bit into your life, just to test it out. You don't have to do anything scary. You don't have to walk around. There goes my German shepherd. You don't have to walk around pretending that, you know, you're Jesus or anything like that, but just be willing to put a little bit, bit of it into practice. And I'm going to give you some action steps that you can actually take because, you know, I like to put things in motion. So some non-conventional ways of expressing unconditional love that most of us overlook because we're either doing it through anger or we assume that we can't love this person because we have to do these things when in fact it's exactly what it means to love someone and it's exactly what it means to love ourselves. So it, these things are a combination of both of those. So the first one is knowing and accepting ourselves and developing a clearly defined set of personal values and principles. So that one's really, really important. That's something that I did not know to do, even though I grew up in the church. And, you know, obviously, if you grew up in the church, if you were raised with a religion, that's a certain set of values and principles that you can 100% follow and decide that that is your framework for your living. That's the structure for your living. And even though I grew up in the church, I still was in my 20s, 30s, not understanding what it meant to be a stand for a clearly defined set of personal values and principles. I grew up in the church not wanting to then be in the church when I, as an adult. And so there was a time of searching and trying to figure out, like, what is important to me? What are my core values? What do I stand for? And I didn't even know that's what I was looking for at the time. But, you know, the Bible talks about know thyself. Most religions talk about the importance of knowing yourself. Life in general, if you're an atheist and you don't even believe in God, you only believe in humanity, to survive in hu humanity, you have to know yourself. You have to know what you stand for. You have to know what's important to you in order to, otherwise you're just, you know, going through life by rote. And that's how we end up with a brutal culture because there's no point. There's nothing important. There's no hope, right? So knowing and accepting ourselves, developing a clearly defined set of personal values and principles, that can start with you at any moment and however you want to invent it. Whatever you feel is most important to you. I know for me, kindness, compassion, contribution, uh, love, caring, being able to connect with other people, communication, those are core values of mine. Without those things in my life, I wouldn't, I would not live a very happy life. And I know this about myself and I stand in it. I don't say it's the only way to go. I don't say that it's rightness over wrongness. It's just what I know to be important to me. So when I get a chance to stand for those things, I take that chance to stand for those things. And just that knowing gives me some, some direction for who I want to be and how I want to be and how I treat other people. It gives us direction for how we treat each other when we know ourselves, right? Speaking up for ourselves and peacefully being a stand for what we believe in, even in the face of disagreement. That is unconditional love. Like you can disagree with me and I don't have to question myself. I don't have to fight you. I don't have to hurt you. I don't have to win. I can accept that you don't see it the way that I see it. That's acceptance. That's unconditional love right there. Non-conventional way to express it. Releasing people who don't align with who we say we are. It is very loving to let someone leave your life and pursue their own journey. That's love. That's love. Not trying to force somebody into your life, 
Let them go if they want to go. If they don't align with who you say you are, the most loving possible thing that you can do for them is to let them pursue their own journey. Let them go out into the ethers and find themselves. Sending well wishes and refusing to speak death into the lives of those who hurt us the most. That's a non-conventional act of love. So if I, if I wish my, my enemies well, whatever I consider my enemies or people that relationships didn't work out, if I wish them well and I refuse to speak death in their life, that is unconditional love for myself because the resentment's only going to eat me. And it's also unconditional love for them. Doesn't mean I have to hold them. So Brian says he has a question. Brian, honey, please, by all means, we love questions. <laughs> Hey, Candy. Yes. So we have a question from our audience. This is from Sasha. Uh She says, what if someone's character doesn't align with your core values? That's a really good one. That's a really good question. That is a fantastic question, Sasha. Here's the thing about when someone's character doesn't align with your core values. If you stay in integrity with your core values, you don't have to do anything because they will release themselves. They will eliminate themselves. All you have to do is be a stand for what it is you know is important. I'm trying to think of a good example. So let's say, let's put it in in the realm of romantic love, since that's what I talk about most of the time. So if I'm dating and I know for sure that I'm building a family, what I want to do is have a family. And that's my ultimate goal. And then someone comes along who I'm very attracted to, maybe sexually, you know, maybe we have a lot of chemistry, but they are completely irresponsible. They are nowhere near, you know, wanting to have a family. They're just somebody that I love hanging out with. If I stay in alignment with what it is I know I'm building and it doesn't have to be a judgmental thing, you don't have to hurt anybody. If I just say, you know what, I'm just not down for something that's not so serious. I'm really, I really want to stay aligned with what it is I've committed to, what it is I want for myself. That person is not going to stay <laughs> if that's all they're interested in. They're not. And it doesn't matter whether it's a love relationship, a friendship. You know, with a friendship, you can decide that you want to get very purposeful and maybe start a business and really build your empire. And you have a friend who you've been working a nine to five job with. And, you know, they, they're not on that level. They're, they don't value the same things. And maybe they put you down a little bit. They give you a hard time. All you have to do is stay the course and stay with what's important to you and invite more of what you need into your life. And the rest will take care of itself because that person who's not interested in aligning with those values with you is going to fade away on their own. We often think that we have to chess piece people in and out of our lives, but we don't. All we have to do is stay in integrity with ourselves. And that's unconditional love. You don't have to hurt anybody to push them out of, their, out of your life. You don't have to be in, in major conflict with people in order you know, to have the right people come in and the, and the people you don't want to leave. You just have to be in alignment with yourself. Thank you for that question, Sasha. That's an amazing question. So another way, another non-conventional way to express unconditional love is learning how to be present in the moment and truly listen with people for all of our commonalities and all of our differences and accepting all of it. Everybody doesn't see it the same way. Everybody doesn't do it the same way. And without all the wrongmaking, because someone sees it differently or does it differently, that's unconditional love. If I can let go of making you wrong because you don't do it like I do it, if I can let go of making myself wrong because I'm not fitting into someone else's standard of how I'm supposed to be, I, have, I do a healing circle every Monday night. One of the women in the circle was talking about how she wanted to meet a partner who, who had close family ties because she didn't have close family ties. And so we talked about it more and we got more into what, you know, she was talking about as far as her family ties. And it turns out that that it's not that she didn't have close family ties. It's that she didn't have whatever she thought was the, the perfect idea of a family. And if anybody out there has the perfect idea of a family, please, please write in, please comment and let us know what that is. Because nobody knows what that is. And so while she was making herself wrong and not accepting that the family that she had and the relationship that she has with her family are just what they are. And obviously, if you want to grow it, you can grow it, you can improve it. But as long as you're making it wrong, you're not loving and accepting. Soon as she was able to make that adjustment, her idea of what she wanted to attract in her life and how she could attract that by by being it and generating it just completely transformed. So that's another non-conventional way of giving unconditional love. Just stop making ourselves wrong. Stop making other people wrong for being different. 
Uh, what's another one? Trading expectation for gratitude. So we have so, so much expectation on other people, so much expectation. I find this a lot in my matchmaking because it's all about dating, right? People have all these high expectations and they re- forget to focus on the great things about other people. They forget to focus on anything but how their expectations were not met. And so they have a very rocky road when it comes to dating and they rarely get to the point that they want to get to because they're so busy focusing on not getting their expectations rather than being grateful for, oh, I had a great conversation with that person. They may or may not be my soulmate, but I had fun. I had fun on that date. I have gratitude because I got to have two hours of fun. Even though I don't see that person in my future, I had fun. You know, it's just... That willingness, even in our own homes. I mean, most of us spend way more time complaining about each other than focusing on the reason that we're with people. So whether it be, you know, uh, parents and mother, father, um, you know, their love relationship, their relationship with their kids, whatever. I mean, I have so many friends who have, you know, lots of family that they created and all they do is complain about them. And I know that deep down they do love them, but, you know, we, we speak our reality with our words, right? We create our reality with our words. And so we spend so much time complaining about the people that we say that we love rather than focusing on the reasons that we're with them and focusing on those good things. But that's what unconditional love is. It's like, okay, I chose this person. I'm not going to... I'm not going to, you know, like every single thing that they do. I'm not going to be excited about everything that they do. That's okay. I can accept it. And I don't have to focus on it. I don't have to, you know, make the reality about that. Because that's what leads to divorce. Two people spend long enough time complaining about each other. After a while, it starts to eat away at the relationship. And before you know it, death to the relationship, right? So what else? Growing our scope. There's an entire world out there. And while it's important to take care of our own home, it's just as important to understand that if the whole of society tanks, so do we as individuals. So I, I always go back to the pandemic and how everybody behaved as soon as you know we were sh- shut down and in isolation and all the buying of toilet paper and how crazy people got about their own survival. Oh, I see there's more questions. Go ahead, Brian. Oh, yeah, it's getting hot now. I love it. I love it. Uh, I guess this relates to the last action step about trading expectation for gratitude and what you were talking about before. Uh Uh, The question is, is there a lot of sacrifice involved in that step? Hmm. A lot of sacrifice involved in trading expectation for gratitude is what they're asking about. Um, The only thing that you're sacrificing is the attachment that someone is supposed to be what you want them to be. And Mm. when we let ourselves sacrifice that attachment, it makes life, dating, interacting, connecting so much easier. So as soon as, right? As soon as we let go of that attachment, and yeah, you know, there's sacrifice with all of it because it means means letting go of our old self, right? It means letting Mm. go of what we were doing in place of it before. Well, well, since I'm here with you, I'm going to ask my question, too. Sure, I love it. Um, you, you, talk, it, you know, we're talking about um, surrendering a lot to where people are. Yeah. Is that in of itself for you and what you're trying to tell people, that in of itself is also living from integrity? I mean, that's our work that we're doing to get to that place. Yeah. Well, wait, what do you mean in the question? So, our- so like we're supposed to stay in integrity yes. and, and part of that is, um, us doing our own work where, like you're saying, like we've got to work on not having expectations about what people do. Yeah. Like on a- um, and you know, that's a whole, that's a lot of stuff that's buried up underneath in our consciousness and stuff like that. Mm. That's what I mean by us working to become even more aware of who we are, our own demons. Yeah. And through that process, accept that other people are doing the same thing. Yes, definitely. And not, or not doing the same thing or not doing the same thing (laughs) because what that is, that, that alignment and that getting an integrity with ourselves is our self healing, right? If everybody would just take responsibility for healing themselves and allow everyone else to be on their journey, wherever they are with it, that's unconditional love. Because that means what I'm saying is I trust my own process 
And I'm growing to trust myself enough that if you don't meet my expectation, I'll still be okay. Got it. Does that Got make it. sense? Thank you for that. Yeah. I mean, and thank you. Thank you for that great question because that's, that's what all of this comes down to. You know, I started out talking about healing as a community and healing globally. And the way to do that is to just start with ourselves. You know, I think sometimes it can be so big and daunting to look at all the problems of the world and think, you know, what can I do to make a difference in the world? Heal yourself. Heal yourself. Love yourself unconditionally in a non-narcissistic way. Um, understand who you are, accept who you are, and overflow that onto others. And the last non-conventional way that I came up with, and I know there's probably a million more, so I'm hoping you guys will think of them and maybe comment later or maybe email them to us. But um, this is one, I call it unconventional because I think a lot of people struggle with it. Sorry, the German Shepherd's ready to go out, so he's making a lot of noise. But forgiving the past. And that goes back to the healing of ourselves, right? Forgiving the past is one of those things that... that a lot of us struggle with because we have an idea of what forgiveness is. We think that forgiveness is allowing people who've traumatized us or hurt us to come into our lives or stay in our lives and treat us badly and pretend like everything's okay. And I've talked about this before. We think forgiving means pretending to be like Jesus. And there is an actual effective forgiveness process that really is just about our own ability to release our resentments perceive that person in a way that doesn't have them uh, in this box of, you know, the one who caused me trauma. And it doesn't require having to uh, compromise our, our, our feelings of trauma. It doesn't require us to put rightness on what we feel was wrong. It just means that we're willing to heal ourselves because the abuser or whoever has hurt us, they don't have the capacity they don't. Even their apologies. We say, oh, if I could just get an apology. Yeah, no. Even if you get that apology, what, what, your human, what the human mind does, especially as children when we've been traumatized, is we make decisions about life based on what's happened to us. And so without acknowledging those decisions, being in awareness around what those decisions are, and being able to forgive the past, without doing that, we're not healing ourselves. And when we're not healing ourselves, we're being part of a community that is unhealed. And for every unhealed person out there who can uh, put his knee on somebody's neck and put his hands in his pockets for eight minutes and 46 seconds, and every unhealed person out there who um, lost somebody to uh, an unjust murder, hush, 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 little dog, to an unjust murder, or every unhealed person out there who's been through some trauma, you know, those things are not, hush, hush, hush. Of course, the German Shepherd's going crazy because I'm talking about the deep stuff. Those things are valid. Those feelings are valid. But without the willingness to find the healing and ask for the support for the healing, then we are being a contribution to the brutal society that we live in by allowing our, our hurt to overtake who we are, our identity, and allowing ourselves to live in the resentment. So, yeah, I mean, there's so many more. And I know that if you know any non-conventional ways to show love, you know, you can email, you can comment, you can reach out and let me know, because I feel like this is an ongoing conversation and it's going to take all of us. This is going to take all of us to be willing to start with ourselves. All of us have to be willing to say, I am accepting of myself and I can overflow onto others. And so, yeah, if, do we have any more questions, Brian? Are we... I feel like we're, I don't want to run over time and I want to make sure that we plug everything. How are we doing on questions? I haven't seen any come in so far, but I'm loving what you're talking about, Candy. Um, uh, you know, can you talk a little bit about some of the, uh, the steps that you do on a daily basis that keep you grounded in unconditional love? Yeah, 100%. Because I believe that it is a practice. It's a daily practice. And, you know, after decades, you know, I'm, I'm well into my 40s to give my age away, um, of, of being in that struggle of not being able to be in full self-acceptance. And so, you know, what, whether it was the story about being a woman, being a woman of color, um, you know, being a woman who's lost my hair, like, you know, I, I've struggled throughout my life with that. Am I enough? Am I uh, worthy? 
I've asked myself that question many times over the course of my life. And so it took growing into an understanding that it's not some magic thing that I'm going to buy or that I'm going to do or some surgery that I could get or, you know, what hair that I wear or an amount of money that I'm going to get or other people acknowledging, acknowledging me or, you know, my parents loving me in the way that I think they should or some perfect lover that's going to come along that's going to have me have a switch and understand how valuable I am. It's 100% internal. And the moment that I got that, I started to understand that I would have to start putting it in practice. And whether that means just being affirming with myself, um, understanding what it means to actually take care of my body, um, you know, by eating foods that have me energetic as opposed to sick, uh, having a spiritual practice, meditating, letting me get quiet, letting my mind get quiet, telling myself good things rather than bad things, you know, releasing perfectionism. So I'm not always being hard on myself about how I do things. Um, not waiting for other people's validation when I make choices that, that align with what's important to me. Being able to express what's important to me. Like I say all of these things, not because I've mastered them, but because I make a daily practice of them. And that's what I want to invite all of us to do is to be willing to be in a daily practice. Do you have any daily practices, Brian? Oh, yes. Yeah. Um, meditation uh, every day, sometimes uh, two or three times a day to keep me grounded. Um, I think one important thing that you just talked about, too, is um, when you got to unplug from the negativity. Yeah, I agree. That's out in the world. I mean, like the news and, and hearing about what's going on and, and staying up to, you know, staying up on current events is important, but that doesn't mean you have to pitch a tent in it. Right. right. And so th that's one thing that I don't do. I get to a point at which if the news gets too much, then I just turn it off yeah. and I put on music or, or something like that. So those are a couple different things that I do that's very, very important. Yeah, 100%. Like, you know, and I think, too, that part of the knowing yourself and, um, you know, really having a deep understanding of yourself is also developing what works for you as a practice. You know, I mean, for some people at this point, it's just, am I allowing myself to have a reasonable amount of sleep? Do you know what I mean? It's like things like that. Am I... Mm. Am I, like you said, uh, uh, limiting the amount of negativity and brutality that I'm watching on television every day? Am I, you know, and this is not about trying to live some perfect life, but I want to always be asking myself, am I filling myself with unconditional love so that I can overflow, so I cannot be part of the contribution to the brutality of this society anymore? Wow. Right? Yeah, you know, you were talking about that, and I was thinking about... Um, when I, when I was living in Europe, that they were talking about the difference between Americans and Europeans when it came to vacation. Mm. And that Americans barely take 12 days a year total, not just vacation. We're talking sick time, holiday time, and Europeans take about 38. Wow. And, um, um, and the productivity is not that much different. Yeah, I believe it. I believe so it. That when you talked about the, you know, sleeping and that kind of thing, I thought about that. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like, we don't even, we as, as Americans, we're not taught to value that stuff. I mean, we're so busy being conditioned to be worker bees in a capitalist society that, you know, I, I don't remember my parents ever talking about the importance of making sure you get enough sleep. It was get an education, get a job, work your ass off, make as much money as you can. And, you know, that's what it was about. That's what we were working towards, right? Be as, as uh, you know, raise your class level as high as you can. That's the kind of things that we as Americans tend to focus on. And that's why we live in a brutal society. You know, we, it's like we don't get a chance to focus on what's your well, what's going on with your wellness? Are you sleeping? Are you eating things that are healthy for you? Are you um, consuming, reading, uh, you know, involved with things that lift up your spirit and make you feel good? And sometimes people think that that's too Pollyanna. But you look at, and I don't want to judge any, you know, particular political affiliation or anything, but like look at your average ex news expose when they do like a Trump rally. 
and how blindly people follow the people who follow Trump are are so brutal about other people and and the t-shirts that they wear you know and the like if you ever just watch one of those and I'm not recommending to do it very often <laughs> or anywhere where there's extremism you know it, it's like um it's self-brutality. It's like, we don't understand that if I find myself valuable, I can find other people valuable. And when I'm not finding other people valuable, it's a sign that deep down, I don't really see myself as valuable. If I have to set myself higher than you with supremacy, if I have to uh, belittle you or demean you or diminish you, it's because deep down inside, I am belittled, diminished and demeaned. And all of that stuff, even though it sounds like it's not that important, my dad used to always say, you got to drink enough water, things like that. Like those are all, all uh, tools for treating ourselves like we have value and treating ourselves like we're worthy. So then we don't have to be so insecure that we have to diminish and demean somebody else. And we don't have to you know, resort to brutality so often. We don't have to be out there fighting each other. We teach our children that they have value. So they're not on world star hip hop beating each other up. You know, things like that. I could get on a soapbox about this stuff, Brian. Keep going. I love it. <laughs> how, how are we looking on time? Because I want to make sure to tell the people all the ways to work with me and get in touch with us and all of that stuff. So what kind of time are we looking at? Oh, no, we're good. We're, we're really good. good. Oh. So let's go ahead and keep keep pushing. All right. All right. I don't know. I didn't write down that many non-conventional ways to let's think of some more non-conventional ways to love unconditionally. I talked about forgiveness. I talk a lot about forgiveness in most of the shows. Um, but also, too, like what I find just even in friend groups, the way friends move around each other. And I don't know if this is true. You can tell me, Brian, if it's true for you when it comes to male friends. You know, I hate to genderize certain things, but I, what I find with female friends is this sort of like, you know, uh, cutting people off and talking about people behind each other's backs and having Uh these judgmental opinions about other people for, you know, how Uh they do things and, you know, having negative things to say about people, but then keeping them in your life to sort of, uh, you know, I don't know, feel better about yourself, feel like you're, you're, you're a little better than. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I, I think that, Again, I think you talked this, about this before, and that is the whole premise of of, of you people getting conscious that number one that they're doing it, yeah, right. Um, and what's the reason behind that? Yeah, and it, and it ain't, and it's typically not the other person, right? It, it it's about you, yeah. and that if, if you're feeling as though you have to you know, get, you know, get on the phone with some, someone else and, um, uh, complain about this other person, not necessarily from a perspective of, of growth where you're doing self-reflection It's just gossip, gossip, you know, juicy, hot, juicy gossip, whatever it is, hot topics. You know, you know, and and that it's that's not something that is unconditionally loving to yourself because yeah. that's where it all begins. Yeah, you know, it's the it, you, you you can't you can't love from an from an empty cup. Yeah, absolutely. I love that you said that because that's what it does. It does empty your cup, right? I mean, I don't know anybody who um, makes a practice of gossiping who doesn't walk away with a certain insecurity. And I'm someone who used to gossip. And I always felt so insecure after conversations like that. You know, well, we all did, right? Right? And it's funny. We all, we all did it. It's funny because I used to work for the Wendy Williams show, which is all about gossip, right? Hot topics. Hot topics. Everything was about celebrity gossip. And even with that job, you know, looking at this goes back years, so I'm not telling on anybody or anything. I can remember going home every day and, and having that kind of insecure feeling like, Ugh. you know, and, that, and here's the thing about that. It's not a judgment. What it is, is, is just recognizing that, that speaking negativity about another person, uh, speaking about another person's life or needing to set myself above another person is just a sign of my own insecurities, right? Uh-huh. So, and the insecurities being triggered and what that really feels like. This is not, it's not even a moral question. It's, 
you know, when we're in that place of insecurity, it just doesn't feel good when we need to diminish somebody else. It do- Hush, German Shepherd. No, he's, he's just co-signing on that. He is. That's his amen <laughs> corner right now. But, Did you find that afterwards? Hush, hush. Like, I know for me, if I was gossiping about somebody else, mm-hmm. and it was purely, you know, it, with this, again, th- there's a difference between being self-aware and gossiping. Yeah. That you become more concerned about what people are saying about you. Oh, yeah. Because I believe that also people who gossip think that everybody gossips. <laughs> right? And and when we're judgmental people who sit in judgment of others, we think everyone's judging us as well. Right? Like we navigate the world as if we're also being judged, I think. Absolutely. Yeah. And so that is another way that... And, and it sounds... Like it could be a stretch, but it's there's really not a far stretch uh, from feeling judged, feeling less than, feeling insecure, and then getting angry, and then then letting that out in some sort of brutal way. Right? Like it, it's a natu- it's a natural progression of of being in that space of I don't feel good enough, so I need to put someone else down, and because I do it, I think that someone else is doing it to me. And so the way that I navigate my life is from a place of judging and feeling judged, which builds my resentment and my anger. And as my resentment and my anger builds, you know, I'm like tick, tick, boom. I could be in a store and something get triggered and it pops off. And all of a sudden there's a conflict going on. And how often does that happen? I feel like we see it on social media all the time. I think so, too. I, I, I totally agree with you. Yeah. Like even that crazy story with um, Amy Cooper in, in, you know, in New York, in Central Park. I think she was a perfect example of that obviously walking around with so much stuff in her head that mm-hmm. she would do something mm-hmm. that vitriolic in that moment. And that her response to that moment was, how dare you question my entitlement and now let me put your life in danger because I'm that angry. Because that's, you know, that's overkill, right? When someone annoys you and then you have to go, like, you have to... Shut it down. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And, that, and I feel like a lot of what we see in our in our culture when people are being brutal like that with each other, it's that I'm walking around. I got all this resentment on my heart. And then here you come. You're in my way and I'm going <laughs> to shut you down. I'm going to win. Mm-hmm. Right. Anyway. Absolutely. Anyway, Absolutely. y'all, I could preach about this all night. I don't want to. Preach I know too much. we could keep going <laughs> if we had more time. If we had more time. So the idea is, when you listen, listen. You know, hopefully you go back and listen again for the practices and the possibilities for how you can show non-conventional love. Don't be afraid to set boundaries. Know who you are. Stand for yourself, and understand that that is love as well. And taking care of yourself every day is love is love as well. So I just want to. Do a couple plugs, acknowledgments. Thank you. Thank you, Celebrity Magazine and my Brian. Oh, Brian hey, you Johnson. know how we do it. Yes, you're amazing. I love this new partnership that we have. I feel like we're going to have so much fun with this show. And we were just talking before the show that it's going to have its growth and its incarnations. And, you know, who knows what's going to happen, how it's going to go, how it's going to grow as we as we come along, right? Absolutely. Right. It's going to keep growing and going to get bigger. And then we'll do Ask for Candy from Paris. Oh, I love that. (laughs) What is the French word for sweetness? What is the French word for sweet? I don't know. I don't remember. I know in Spanish, candy is dulce. Pregunta a dulce? I don't know if I'm saying that right. Anyway, for my Spanish-speaking people. So, yes. Thank you, Brian. Thank you, Solivity Magazine. Passion, Purpose, Living. And... um, (laughs) Tell, do you want to tell them anything about what's happening right now? I know we have the Latinx ser- series. Yeah, we've got Latinx that's up on latinx.solivity.com. And everyone, uh, tomorrow night we have our another premiere with uh, host Javier Pedrosa, Consencias Con Cocktails, at 6 p.m. right here, right at 6 o'clock. So that's going to be hot. I'm going to be there. Cannot there. wait. Yeah. All right, cool. Also, you guys, as I mentioned earlier, I'm a matchmaker photographer. So if you want to be included in my roster of recruits to be matched with a client for free, send me a PM on Facebook with your interest and I will send you my recruitment link and give you a little screening and tell you all about how it works. 
All you got to do is be single and open to being screened to go on a blind date. Also, every Monday night, I run the Epic Circle, which is an online healing circle for women everywhere. Every Monday night, 6 p.m. Eastern to 8 p.m. Eastern, we as women come together as a community, causing personal transformation when it comes to communication, forgiveness, self-love, which is what I talked about all night tonight, mother-daughter relationships, purpose, friendships, all that good stuff, all the tools that we need to be as big as we were meant to be. Instagram. At Ask for Candy Podcast, at Candy Love Coach, at Solivity Magazine. Also, shout out to the Ask for Candy Podcast group. Hopefully, you guys, I think I shared the show on the Ask for Candy group. So hopefully you guys got to watch and we'll interact later on. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube ch- channel, Ask for Candy Podcast, the Solivity TV YouTube channel. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. Email us, askforcandypodcast at gmail.com and send your questions and comments and they may be upcoming topics. Until next time, never forget that you are a love machine. If you ever start to feel like you aren't getting the love you need, just make more and then ask for candy. Hey.